Hey, let's start this way this morning. God is good. And all the time. If you're visiting with us today, my name is Mark, and I've been the pastor here for almost 12 years, and this will be a different Sunday if this is your first visit uh, with us. Uh, on Friday morning, um, a staff member of ours for 33 years and her husband were killed in an auto accident uh, out on 35, and I know that most of you know that. Uh, Mark and Karen Cummins were uh, not only an uh, administrative uh, assistant and her husband, uh, they were important people uh, in this body, important people in this body. Uh, they were loved. Um, Karen, them being here so long in this church, uh, they knew most people. Um, immediately after the first service was over and I said the final amen, there was a lady that walked past me and I said, oh man, I ought to know her name. And I missed Karen because I would have gone straight to Karen. I'd have gone straight to Karen right then. I said, Karen, remind me of that name right there. <laughs> I could not have had an administrative assistant. Would never ever dreamed in my life that I would have had an administrative assistant that combined godly character with the skill of her job. What you look for in, in staff members is character and competence. And you look for character before competence. And um, she was way over the top. In fact, I had multiple conversations with her about because she was a perfectionist and said, just don't sweat it. <laughs> It'll work out. And, you know, and she would stay late because she was fretting and something had to be just exact right. I said, It'll be okay. It's 90% it's right. Go on, go on home. And uh, so it was my privilege, um, not only to have her as my administrative assistant, but to have her and Mark as my friends. Um, Mark, uh, Mark was a different guy, right? All of us didn't know him. <laughs> Mark and I didn't agree on too much social issues, uh, but I, I so appreciated that he was, that we were good friends. And boy, we really need that in our society today, that you can disagree and still be friends. You don't have to unfriend people on Facebook and stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's absurd. And, and, and uh, you know, Mark and I disagreed on a lot of, a lot of things socially, and, but we were buddies. And um, Harold used to, to meet with Mark for lunch. This, this, this will tell you something about Mark. Correct me if I'm wrong, Harold. Mark and Brandon, which would have been on one side of the ledger on political issues, and uh, hired Ricky and Harold... <laughs> which would have been on the other side of, of the ledger. They used to meet for lunch and argue it out, man. <laughs> um, let me tell you the story, a story I heard that um, explains Karen really well. Her youngest son, Scott, lives here in town. And um, so um, I was over to see him yesterday morning. And uh, he told me this story. He said um, he got the word about 9 o'clock Friday, and the police, had, or state troopers, I guess, had come to his work to tell him. And uh, so he got the word and obviously left work. And so he said sometime later in the day, he ended up at, over at Mark and Karen's house. And he said, I was looking for the will. And he said, I looked in the normal places, file, file cabinets and all the thing, and I couldn't find anything. And I walked out, 
and right there in the middle of the living room on a coffee table, piano bench or something, was a folder marked end-of-life arrangements. And Scott said, that was just like my mom, because I remembered that she was so organized and, and thought of other people that whenever they traveled a long distance, she put that folder out there. So family members wouldn't have trouble. Now that's Karen Cummins. That ain't Mark. <laughs> that's Karen. <laughs> and that's, 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 um, that's Karen Cummins. Some of you may not know, um, Mark, uh, for a good many years, Mark really appreciated what I would term high church, church with lots of liturgy, which we ain't, okay? And, and so he was involved at Christ Episcopal Church here in town, and he, many Sundays he would go there and then come here for the second service. And he was involved in ministry there, and, and uh, I know he sang in the choir, and and uh, he was involved with their food pantry. Mark had a, Mark had a heart for needy people. And um, he was involved in their food pantry, was involved in ours as well. Just, um, my dad had a saying, and it applies to them. Uh, just as good as they come. <laughs> uh, just as good as they come. And so we grieve this morning, but I remember what the Apostle Paul wrote. <laughs> right? We grieve. And Paul wrote that. We grieve, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve because it's natural, it's human, it's uh, healthy. It's not like we Christians live in some fantasy land where everything is perfect. Paul says we grieve, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope. <laughs> Can I tell you this morning that, that Mark and Karen aren't grieving they're not in church here today? Can I tell you that? We grieve, but our grief is for ourselves, right? Uh, there's some grief that would be for uh, Scott and Andy, the two kids, the two boys, and, and, and the grandkids that were there. But we grieve because, you know, they've been taken from our life. But they ain't grieving. In, in several ways that I'm not going to explain to you, and some of them are personal. As I've thought about this since I got the word, my good friend Tim Bricky called me about 3 o'clock when the names were released, and that's I first heard. And um, as I've been thinking about it since then, uh, thinking back on the last several months, I can think of specific ways that God was preparing me for this. Uh, the least of which was not this week as I was preparing this message. Um, I prepared this message before I got the news. And as I, after I got the news, I obviously thought, well, you know, I guess can't bring, I can't preach any run-of-the-mill message. I've got to preach something that has application to what's going on in our life. And as I look back again with just a, a little tweak, this message fits perfectly. Got here this morning and I knew what I was going to say at the start when I came out at the start of the service. I knew that was going to be important, so I sat down at my desk and I started trying to think, now what do I need to say? 
And I just couldn't think about it. I mean, I couldn't think about it. I couldn't write any notes. And, and that's happened to me several times in my life. And that's God telling me, Mark, I got you. Just go out there. It happened that way before Brad Huffman's, Huffman's funeral. Arguably, that was a big deal. And I tried to prepare. And I couldn't. And I've had several of those occasions in my life. And it's just God who goes before us. The prevenient grace of God. That's the grace that goes before to prepare us and to um, make a way for us. So we were in the book of Ecclesiastes, and we still are there. And the verse that I picked today, before I ever knew what was going to happen Wednesday morning, uh, Friday morning, the verse I picked is from Ecclesiastes 8-7. And it says, since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? <laughs> if I had tried to, to pick a verse that was more applicable, I don't think I could have. Uh, this, was already, this was written before I heard of the accident. <laughs> and so Solomon, who we believe is the writer of Ecclesiastes and all of his wonderings about life and trying to find the meaning of life, trying to find the significance and purpose of life, and he searches in many things and, and then lots of Ecclesiastes is just like random thoughts here and there and he just blurts out Ecclesiastes 8, 7 says, nobody knows what's coming tomorrow. And friends, there's not a single person in this room that I had to tell that to because you all knew it. But if you're like me, you knew it here and you don't know it as much here, or at least in the place where we make the decisions in our life. And I think one thing that we can learn and is applicable to all of our lives from Mark and Karen's death is that uh, I know we know this, but today we know it, it's real to us. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know the future. Jesus, there are several places that thought is repeated, and I could take the whole time going through a, a, a Bible study of that. But, but Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus basically said, listen, don't worry about tomorrow. And he, he wasn't really talking about anxiety as, as much. He says he was basically saying, nobody knows what's going to happen. Focus on today. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You've got enough to worry about today. Jesus said. People that are real warriors, you know, they're, they're trying to control things. They're trying to control the future, which none of us can control. Jesus said, the future, just don't worry about it. Walk with Jesus today. Each day will bring enough trouble of its own. There's our realistic Savior again. Each day is going to bring you enough stuff to bother you. Don't buy yourself trouble for stuff that's coming ahead of you. If you've heard me preach a funeral, you've heard me repeat this verse because I, I read it at every funeral. James chapter 4. 
James says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or we'll go to that city and spend a year there and carry on business and make money. And he says in verse 14, he says, man, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? That's an amazing part of Scripture for me. What is your life? He says, it is but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That kind of sounds like Solomon Ecclesiastes a little bit. It is, your life is but a mist. If Mark and Karen could speak to us today, Karen would say, I have no clue where my 65 years went. And Mark would say, I have no clue where my 63 years went. Life is but a mist. I've told you before, I'm 63. You, could knock, you knock me over with a feather when you remind me of that. I cannot believe it. I have no clue. Harold, how old are you? You got no clue where the years have gone, right? No way. No way. So since we have this unknown future, this life that's, that's a mist, and we're not, you know, there's, don't get all fired up about the future because nobody knows what it holds, and go and get all fired up about tomorrow. Now that, that Jesus said don't worry about tomorrow. He didn't say don't consider tomorrow. He said, just don't fret about it. Now, if we don't consider tomorrow, we're just, we're just stupid. Okay? Karen, in her love for the family, made end-of-life arrangements. She was considering tomorrow. And she didn't want her family to have to go nuts not being able to find anything and, and stuff wasn't in order. Jesus didn't say, don't consider tomorrow. He said, don't worry about it. So this unknown, this unknown future that we have, and no one knows what it holds, what, what does the Bible say about it? Well, it says, it says several things, but it says, don't presume on tomorrow. Don't presume that tomorrow will come. Proverbs 27, verse 1 said, said do not boast about tomorrow. For you do not... For you do not know what a day may bring. Uh, every single person under the sound of my voice, every single person watching on the internet right now knows that truth. You can put a gun to my head and I will not recant that truth, that I have no clue what tomorrow holds for all of us. But if you're like me, I'm not sure I live that way. I'm not sure I live that way. Don't boast about tomorrow. And it takes situations like this to remind us of it, and we all get reminded of it. But let me tell you what human nature is, and you know I'm right on this. Let me tell you what human nature is. We get reminded of it for a few days and a few weeks, and then it goes, doesn't it? Till the next tragedy comes. And... The Bible says not to presume on tomorrow, don't boast on tomorrow, don't take tomorrow for granted, but it also says because of that, don't procrastinate about tomorrow. That means what, what, what needs to be done today, do it today. And I'm not talking about mowing the grass. That's, it, that's irrelevant in the scheme of things. I'm talking about the important things of life. What needs to be done and, and those are mostly about relationships. 
what needs to be done, do it today. Because you don't know you're going to have tomorrow. I don't want to be morbid, but you know that the same thing could happen to you as you're driving home from church today that happened to Mark and Karen. And because of that truth, how does that make us live? Well, we don't put off. Now, if Sue was in here, she would go, Mark, you're a hypocrite for preaching that. Because <laughs> I procrastinate. That's what I mean. I know it's true. But wherever it is in my body, my heart, my gut, or wherever it is in my body, it's harder for me to live that out. Why is that? I know it's true. Put a gun to my head. I won't recant it. Don't presume, because we don't know tomorrow, because we don't know what the future holds for any of us. Don't presume on the future, and, and because you don't presume, you don't procrastinate. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4, is the verse for all you farmers. You know the truth of this. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. That basically means if, if, if a farmer just doesn't get around to doing it and just sits up with it, it's just not perfect conditions today. And, and if, if you wait for the perfect time, the perfect conditions to be able to do things, you won't plant. And if you don't plant, you won't reap. New Living Translation, I like the way the New Living Translation says, uh, translates the same verse. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they'll ne they never harvest. I don't know what needs to be done today in your life. But, but, but what can we learn from Mark and Karen's tragedy? We, we, we know that tomorrow is not promised. We knew that anyway, but we're reminded of it. We come smack dab in front of it now in a situation like this. We don't know what tomorrow holds, so we don't presume on tomorrow. And so because we don't presume what really needs to be done, I'm not talking about going to Walmart. I'm not talking about getting the groceries. I'm talking about the important things of life. Don't procrastinate on them. Don't procrastinate on them. Another favorite passage of mine is a passage where Moses has died and, and the leadership of the nation of Israel turns over to Joshua. And here's Joshua, who was Moses' aide for however many years. He now is going to have to lead these people. You talk about somebody who didn't know what the future held. He's going to have to fill the shoes of Moses, the guy that went to Pharaoh and said, let these people go. He's going to have to fill those shoes. He's going to have to lead these people. You talk about a guy that has some issues about the future and it being pretty dark and not knowing what it held and didn't have, was anxious about it and, 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 and was, was, didn't have good feelings about it and didn't, have, didn't know if he could deal with what was going to happen in the future as when he was a leader. That's what happens in Joshua chapter 1. In verse 6, that just amazes me because, see, we have a personal God. We just don't have a God who's sitting on his throne and he's, he's spun this world into existence and then the world just does what he wants. We have a personal God who intervenes. And this personal God knew about Joshua, knew of his inadequacies, he knew of his fears, he knew he didn't know and didn't have confidence in himself. So God comes to Joshua and says, be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. 
Again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, if then kind of statement there, then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? This is the third time he says this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I like our God. <laughs> he, he, he knew that Joshua was scared to death. <laughs> he said, Joshua, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Be strong. Be courageous. I took a quote from Corey Ten Boom. Some of you know that name. She, <clears throat> she helped free a lot of, of Jews from the Holocaust. She wrote a lot about that, and she says, you trust your unknown future to a known God. And basically, that's kind of what God was saying to, to Joshua. He says, you know, you've been walking, you've been Moses' aide for a long time, and so you've been walking, and this same God that, that, that was with you when you all walked out of Egypt, that, that, you know that God, and you can trust your unknown future to that known God, to what you know about God. That's why you need to be a person of the Word, how do, how do we learn about God? Well, we, we learn some things about him by, by living, but we learn about his nature right here. Trust your, un, all of our futures are unknown. This is not just a Mark and Karen type of sermon. All of our futures are unknown. Trust your unknown future to the God you know. Trust your unknown future to a known God. And what you know about your God is what he said about himself when he's talking to Moses, when he's talking to Joshua, he says, I'll be with you wherever you go. Gail Fisher, you know, some of you know Gail. She goes to our first service and Jean died, what was it, six or eight months ago or whatever it was. Just hit her right, you know, just right out of the blue. It's one of the things I quoted to her. You don't know what God has in store for you. It's an unknown future. But you've been walking with him now for decades. Trust your own unknown future to the God you know. To the God you know. At the very start of that passage where we just had that Joshua 1, 6 through 7. At the very start of that passage in Joshua 1, verse 1 and 2, it, it says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's a really silly thing to say because he already would have known he was dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. So, God comes to Joshua and tells him something he already knows. That's like, that's like if I had died in a car accident 
and, and Mike Hancock was going to be the interim pastor. And Mike, and God came to Mike and says, Mike, Pastor Mark is dead. Mike said, well, I know. But see, Joshua had known nothing but Moses' leadership. And basically he was saying, listen, Moses is dead, man. You've got to let go of the past. You learn from the past, but you let go of it. You, you learn from the past, but you got to let it go. Moses, my servant, is dead. Be thankful for what Moses taught you. Be thankful for the experiences that you had with him. But if you're going to walk into a new future, you, there may be some things that you have to let go of. Moses. Hey, Joshua, uh, in case you didn't know, Moses is dead. And I don't know. I don't know what's going on with you. And this is not necessarily a Mark and Karen thing. It's just an unknown future thing. I don't know what's going on with you. But can I tell you, the same God that has walked with you up to this point will walk with you into the unknown future. Trust your unknown future to a known God. And maybe, I don't know your situations. I don't, I don't know what's going on, all the ins and outs of, of your life. Maybe there's some things you need to let go of. You're thankful for those. You, you've learned some things. Whether those things were positive or whether those things were negative, you're thankful for those because hopefully you've grown through those. But you've got to let go of them because how many times have I been in the counseling room and I've been telling people they've got to let go of what happened 15 years ago. So three or four years ago, I preached a whole sermon series called Get Over It. Not that I was making fun or trivial of the horrible thing that happened to you, but man, you've got to get over it and you've got to do whatever you've got to do to get over it or you won't go into the future that God has for you. Moses, my servant, is dead. Isaiah, in Isaiah 43, Isaiah the prophet, speaking the words of the Lord, says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I'm thankful for the past. I'm thankful for the things I've learned. But if I dwell on it, I will not step into the future that God has for me. It'll hold me back. It'll be baggage. It'll be a ball and chain. Good things that have happened in the past or bad things that have happened in the past? You've got to let those good things go too because you can't rest on your laurels. And those bad things, you just got to say, God, I don't know why they happened. Probably it was because of my mistakes and my lousy decisions. But Lord, help me learn from that. Help me never to make those decisions again. And help me walk to the future with you. 19th verse of Isaiah 43 says, See, Isaiah, I'm doing a new thing in your life. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness for you and streams in the wasteland. I'm making that way for you. On this unknown future, I'm going to make streams in that wasteland for you. But don't dwell on those things. 
back there. Well, let me finish. There's a lot I could say, but I'll finish. I'll go back to that Joshua 1 passage, verse 7 and verse 8. Be, very, be strong and very courageous. First thing I'm going to say about that, that shows up three times. God's not telling you, suck it up, man. Come on, you wimp. Be strong and courageous. Stop your whimpering. That's not what God's saying. You know, you know what I found through life and through 28 years of being a Christian? It takes courage to have faith. And God tells Moses, uh, God tells Joshua, I'm going to be with you wherever you go, so be strong and courageous. You can't walk by sight. It takes very little courage to walk by sight. It takes a lot of courage to walk by faith. So three times he says, doesn't say suck it up. Come on, man. Be a man. That's not what he's saying. He said, man, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. So three times I'm going to tell you, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So an unknown future for all of us, it's unknown. We don't know, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We, we consider tomorrow. We don't fret about tomorrow. We don't worry, but we don't know what tomorrow holds. And, and, and so how do we conduct ourselves today in, in the light of we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow? This has been a thought that somebody gave me, and I, I'm sorry this is not original with me. I think it, it might have been Max. Thank you, God. It was Max Licato. Max Licato says, when, when you don't know what to do, he says, do what's right, and God will do what's best. So basically, basically Joshua is told, he says, you got to obey this book of the law. You don't, you don't turn from it to the right or to the left. You, 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 you meditate on it day and night. You do what's right. And trust me to do what's best, God says. Well, so, I don't know what to turn. I don't know, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know where to go. I'm not sure about where to go. Well, Okay, join the club. Well, Mark, how are you going to deal with, you know, how's the office going to run? I don't, I don't know. I have no clue right now. The only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to do what's right, as is revealed to me through God's word and my conscience. I'm going to do what's right, and I've just learned that God will do what's best. Now I can lean on my own understanding and I can figure it out myself, which is the human condition. But I'm going to be the Christian he's called me to be. And God will take care of the rest. <laughs> this unknown future, this, this unknown future that we all have, that we all have, what do you worry about? Well, you just worry about tomorrow. Do what's right, and God will do what's best. 
This book of law, it's not supposed to depart from your mouth. Don't turn from it, the right to the left. The Christian that he's called you to be, you be that Christian. And, 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 and let the chips fall where they may. God will take care of the rest of the situation. You focus on being the person that God has called you to be. It's a marvelous little motto for life. It's a marvelous little motto to put above your fireplace. Lord, help us do what's right and trust you who will do what's best. Well, we've, Solomon says in 8-7 of Ecclesiastes that nobody knows what the future holds. And none of us had any clue. When I said, obviously, when I, Karen walked out of the office on Thursday and I was still in the office and she said, uh, see you next week. No one knows the future. And because of that, we don't presume on it. We don't boast about it. And we don't procrastinate on the things that have to be done because tomorrow is not promised to anyone. We, we trust this unknown future to a known God. We, we may need... We're thankful for the past and we learn from it, positive and negative things, but there may be some things we need to let go. Moses, your ser <coughs> Moses, my servant, is dead. And as you walk through this unknown future, and you do what's right. And I'm not, I'm just not talking about coming up in your own brain what is the right thing to do. And you're right, and you're, you're right. You know, you, you hear a thing now, people go, well, what's your truth? I don't know how to answer that. There is truth. So it's not like what's your right. Well, tell me what your right is and your right is and your right is. And no, do what's right. Do what's right. Now, there are obviously some things that this word does not address. And, and in that, you get godly counsel and you do what's best. Do what you think is right. But there's a lot of things in here that this word does address. One of those things is getting godly counsel when you need help. Do what's right. And trust God to do what's best. We, uh, we take communion every single Sunday. Because that allows me to, to, to transition to the main thing. And that's Jesus Christ. And as we take communion, we, we remember his death for us. And we're thankful for his death for us. But as you come to communion this morning, can I suggest one other thing that is in your mind? Before any of us were born, God was making a way for us. Before we were a, a, a twinkle in our daddy's eye, God provided for us. Knowing that we would be sinners, knowing that we would need forgiveness, knowing that we would need the power that the blood of Christ brings to us, God made a way for us, proveniently went ahead of us and provided his own son for the deepest, deepest need of our life. And that's forgiveness, fellowship and relationship with the one who died for us.
So this unknown future that you're stepping into, uh, God knows all about it. He, he, he provided this for you over 2,000 years ago. You think he won't continue to provide for you? <laughs> hey, hey, church, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go into your unknown future, into my unknown future on, okay, how do we, what are we going to do in the office tomorrow? To sweet Cheryl Sabo's unknown future, and, and she's had a bunch of stuff now laid in her lap. Thank God that, that, that God was preparing us, and she's had several months of training with Karen. But as Cheryl steps into the future, and, and Cheryl doesn't... Listen, come on, I, I love Cheryl, but she doesn't know half what Karen knew. She's been here 33 years. But you know what? You know what Cheryl can do? She can touch an unknown future to a known God. I say praise his name. <laughs> Our servers are coming to the table. Aren't us Christians stupid? I mean, we, 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 we're just laughing here today, aren't we? I mean, that's just stupid. The world would think that we're being irreverent right now toward Mark and Karen. <laughs> but I believe that this is exactly what Mark and Karen would like for us to be doing <laughs> at this time. Father, You're a good, good father. This tragedy that we're dealing with did not take you by surprise. We don't understand it. We'll never understand it. The only thing we do is we go on. We're strong and courageous because we know that you'll be with us wherever we go. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can come to the tables if you like. Uh, you may have taken a vial out front. Or you can come to the altar and pray if you like. And there's some vials here. You worship now as you choose. <laughs>